Hi, my name is Danny, and this is Social Distancing. Episode 15, lamest version of Ocean's Eleven ever. This is my friend, Danny. Danny and I met at a bar in St. Louis, which wouldn't be that weird, but for the fact that we were actually at church, too. Danny is a pastor, and in 2015, he moved to St. Louis to become the pastor of a church that literally met in a bar, which was quite creatively called Bar Church. In 2016, Danny brought me on to be the worship leader at Bar Church. This college bar called Humphreys had a bit of a reputation at St. Louis University, but the dynamic of having a Methodist church service in one end of the bar happening with Sunday night football and tequila shots just a couple feet away made this place a very unique space. I just remember communion at Bar Church was always my favorite. It was always the thing that stood out. Like I was like, I could be a a so-so preacher and the music could not be tuned as well as we wanted. But when you got to communion, it was like something like really heavy and spiritual happened. I think was even for, for you and for me and for all of us was just so beyond what we could even comprehend, I think, in the moment. And the story that stands out is that you have a guy that came and he was in his military fatigue and he's just like taking back shots and kind of doing his thing. Just obviously there to drink some sort of pain away. And uh, when communion came, like he was obviously perturbed by like our music and the sermon. He was kind of annoyed by it, but I made the invitation, like all are welcome, come forward. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church, but just come forward uh, with a posture to receive the grace that's freely given. And it's even funny because I say those words every week and like they maybe lose their meaning on me and to see him come up uh, and I'm like standing in front of the bathroom. It was me and Lexi and we're standing in front of the bathroom doors because that's where communion was served. And I'm like, Oh no, does he want communion or does he have to drop a deuce? Like, what is this guy? What is he coming for to do? And so, and Lexi's like, what do we do? She's like whispering over to me. I was like, just keep the cup out. And so we hold him out and he comes forward and he puts his hands out and I'm like the body of Christ. And uh, Lexi says the blood of Christ and he goes back to the bar. But I remember beelining over to him and talking to him and he was just like, I had never heard anyone say that I was welcome to come forward, uh, that I belonged and that I could come forward and receive. And what I tell people when I ever tell a story, this is my favorite church, bar church story, but church story is that that guy like accidentally came to the church. And when I think about the future of church, um, it's so, it's going to be less a, a big box building and so much more people an intimate community where life already happens accidentally like encountering the overwhelming grace of God. That story is kind of really what keeps me going in ministry every day, like trying to find those moments wherever I can. For the ministry, I get to do at Church of Shepherd and all the stuff I try to create. In a lot of ways, it's not trying to emulate bar church, but it's trying to emulate that moment of helping people accidentally experience the overwhelming grace of God. Danny's story comes from his time in college just outside of Portland, Oregon, at a small Christian school. I would say while I was there, I was definitely like trying to wrestle with my faith, uh, but I was still working out my salvation, so to speak. And so there was like the sides of me that I was not ready to hand over uh, to God. And so I would say I was I was the person that I, I try to help people walk out of a lot, like being that person that's really two-faced. Like I was the like, hey, here's my church self. And then I was, uh, here's kind of like my party self and making bad decisions. And I wasn't doing anything like 
like really atrocious except for uh, maybe this story, but I, I was making like some bad decisions. So I was in this like place and I had this really good friend who I, I still am friends with and has kind of gone through the roller coaster of life and emotions as well. We were, I would say, as good of friends as we became, like we were not great for each other because we were like just gasoline on fire. Like we kind of exacerbated each other's bad issues uh, and in our immaturity. We were like the worst case scenario for like dumb and dumber. Uh, and so we just did not, we did not go uh, to all the best decision-making places. Early college years, Portland, and we, I can't remember what it was we were watching. Like, it was a movie or something. Like, we were really into those Broken Lizard movies. Broken Lizard movies? Yeah, so, like, they made uh, Club Dread, and they made Super Troopers, and Beer Fest, and, like, that was their production company. And there was something in, like, either their genre or something just, like, that makes me think back to them that, made us think like diamond bashing was like a really cool idea. Oh no. Um, like this is what, yeah, <laughs> right. So that's what I should have said. Um, I can't remember like what it was, but like there was like weeks and weeks of build up. Like, you know how like you're in college and like there's an idea and like uh, we were all kind of timid. And so like we had to like talk ourselves up to it. Like we thought we were like real big dogs, but we were like, we had to really talk ourselves up to do it. I remember like weeks or maybe months of like, oh, we should really do this. Like this is a good idea. Like this wouldn't be that hard. And just like one night, night like we went out to like a local diner tell me a little bit about like what's the kind of conversations that you're having with each other to like pump each other up enough uh, like are you rationalizing it are you just like jackass style just kind of like poking each other in the ribs to say like come on you can do it kind of thing what's the what's the conversation that's happening all the precedings up to it was kind of just like the like why wouldn't we do it like it's like the lamest version of like oceans 11 you can think of like we're just talking about like what it would look like when we got there, it was like, I just, I still remember the moment. Like we're sitting in the booth, like our food comes and we like, we had money with us. Like none of us came in thinking that we were going to do it. And we just started like talking about it and, and our friend or me, I can't remember who it was. Uh, maybe it's just me like skirting the blame on him. But I, I remember him like raising the idea like, Hey, I think we should do this. Uh, what I do remember is my twin brother was with me and he went to the bathroom and that was like where the idea came about. We just started like, like I said, we were like gasoline and fire. And so we're like bouncing back and forth and we're talking about it. Uh, I think actually my brother didn't have his wallet. And so even as rationalizing, we're like, well, he doesn't have his wallet. So we can probably like convince him that this isn't even that bad of an idea. And so it kind of was like the jackass type thing is like, we're just bouncing it back and forth. And it's like, if you watch any of those sketches, like it starts with the, the brainchild is like a normal kind of stunt and then it ends and it's like that was like way worse than it should have been yeah. <laughs> and that was how that is how it progressed for us from like and again it was like an illegal act that was bad from jump street right but we were like it, we made it way worse than it needed to be how many of you were there so it was me and my brother and, and my roommate at that time in college so just three of us so just three of you and so you're having this conversation out loud, I assume, like someone is, is liable is liable to hear you. Yeah. People weren't like darkening the doors of Sherry's diner, I would say. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't necessarily like people, uh, there weren't people around us per se, but there were, uh, there, uh, like we had to, I remember like the waiter would come by and we would kind of hush and we would get quiet because we didn't want that person to hear what was happening. But, uh, but I would say, like to my recollection, it was probably in a place that could seat oh, 250 people or whatever. Like it was a bigger place. We we were one of like three 
tables seated at the time. So your brother goes to the bathroom. The two of you are having this conversation, trying to rationalize it, try to make sense of it. What happens next? So yeah, he comes back. We're just kind of like having the conversation. Like, you know, we've talked about this. Like we've kind of game plan that we've talked about doing it before. Why would we not just try it now? Like, yeah, you don't even have your wallet. So like, they're like this is like just the meanest thing but like someone's gonna have to pay for you anyway and so it's like we might as well just like get out of here uh it kind of like it it builds from that i don't even remember like how it happened because it's so much a blur but i think one of us ended up walking back to the bathroom and then one of us went out and then that person went from the bathroom and the person just the last person sprinted out to the car and then we hopped in the car and we drove away and we were like we got away like no one came out again like the waiters were like super uh just non really invested because there's no one in there. And so we get probably like a mile, two miles down the road. And I look over at my friend and he just looks like he's seen a ghost. And I'm I'm just like, what's wrong, man? And he's like, man, I left my ID on the booth. Right. And, and and I was I was 20 at the time. He was 21. I remember like in the night, he's like, I want to get a beer. And I was like, man, just don't get a beer. Like, we can't drink. Why would you do that? And he's like, I want to get a beer because he had just recently turned 21. And so he gets one. But I was like, man, nothing would have happened if you wouldn't have just got a beer. Like that was that was what spoiled our plan. It was just like to think you had this like foolproof plan and to know that, <laughs> that it fell apart because someone left their ID on the table is like the biggest <laughs> kick in the ball of all time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he leaves his ID and I'm guessing things don't things don't go well from there. <laughs> so we uh there was like no real option. So we're like, we gotta go back. And he was for his credit, he was like trying to be very like heroic. He's like, guys, I'll fall on the grenade for you. And so he he like drops us off at Albertsons, which is the grocery store out there. And he drives back. So he went by himself. He was just going to literally like, just take all of it. Yeah. He was going to take all of it. Like very much a heroic thing to do. Um, (laughs) and I remember we're sitting there and, uh, my brother and I are like, what are we going to do? And my brother's like, well, we just got to run home, man. (laughs) And I was like, we can't, man, we can't leave him. And so like, we're sitting there and my phone rings. It's the police officer. And he's like, Hey man, like you, and he like was like the most like chill about it, but also like kind of annoyed that he was hanging. Like, man, you just got to come back here. Like, we don't, like, we don't want to chase you. You just got to come back here. And our friend like wouldn't tell him who we were, but like, I'm like, he has my number now. How did he get your number? Well, so he used my friend's phone to give us a call. Oh, shit. (laughs) You're right. And so. Uh, so we come back and after, after like, I'm like him and Han, like my brother and I, and like, really, they don't know this, but we're like 200 yards away from them. Like we're at the Albertsons across the street from this place. And so we're not really like, we're not incognito, right? We come back and my only real recollection of the moments that proceeded were that for whatever reason, I was the only one that didn't get handcuffed. Uh, which is still my claim to fame, as I can say, I've had my run-in with the law, but I still have not been handcuffed. And that the police officers were really like, and this is like a legit crime, so people shouldn't do it. But I remember the police officer being like, we want to give you a fine, but this guy like really wants to take you guys to court. And so we have to like, we like have to take this the whole nine yards. And again, like the guy, it was over like a $45 bill. 
uh, and cost us ended up in the long run. It was like $300 a piece of like, uh, and we were young still. And so they didn't push us super hard, but like we had to donate $300 to like the charity of the diner's choice. And then we had to like, you know, we had to write these like handwritten, they insisted handwritten apology letters to the CEO <laughs> uh, of the restaurant. Uh, and then this is like the kicker is that we couldn't go to a Sherry's for the next year. And we didn't see each other. Like any of us couldn't hang out for six months. What? And that came. Yeah. Like they're like, you can't, you guys. How do you, you not see all. your twin brother for six months? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Man, we like, so we had to go to the courthouse afterward, like months later. And we go to the courthouse and I remember like, we go through, we do all this thing and I go out and this like officer comes out and he's like, sirs, I'm going to arrest you if you don't separate yourselves. And I was like, <laughs> We rode here together, man. How do you think the twin brothers got to the courthouse? <laughs> so it was it was from from inception of the idea to completion of it. It was a roller coaster of like thinking like we're cool. And it was kind of like you remember being in college. Like it was this idea of like invincibility. Oh, totally. And I think like even I said on the beginning, like it was me kind of bouncing back and forth between my faith life and then what I wanted my life to be. And I think it was some of it was like me trying to like, I think I wanted to get in trouble because I needed to know like what needing to turn around felt like. And so I think maybe some of it was like a cry for help, but it was a just it was a roller coaster of probably like six total months of of stuff going from that and even now to this day like i went back to portland to visit my family in june of last year and my mom was like we should go to sherry's and like i just got like shivers on my mom. <laughs> <laughs> you walk in and it's the same exact waiter <laughs> right well that's my fear and uh but we what's hilarious is on that trip back because my kids just love the pancakes we literally ate at Sherry's like six times over the course of 10 days. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of cosmic justice that is, but it was like, I, we were there. Did you find your, I I would have loved if you had like walked in and seen your like handwritten apology letter, like front door, <laughs> <laughs> just like as a warning. <laughs> right. Like, don't be like this guy. <laughs> I remember going to a Sherry's because I think it was a six month ban and it might have been a year, but whatever it was, I remember going like the month after it was up um, because it truly is it's like my family's favorite place. And so I went there after my ban was up and I remember like looking for that kind of thing. Like it's like, is my name like yeah. somewhere and like, like a hand drawn, like, like pencil drawing of your face, like wanted. <laughs> right. Well, I remember like I, I paid and I remember being like, I wonder if my, my credit card name is like flagged, like sirens will go off when they scan, scan my debit card. Yeah. I wonder how, I wonder how they enforce that. Cause there's more than one. Is there right? Yeah. There's probably, so I felt, well, having to uh, write a letter there, CEO is actually in Montana, I believe. And so oh, it sounds like it's kind of a regional, uh, a regional chain. Uh, probably like, I think it's somewhere kind of Pacific Northwest kind of mountain sky area. If, if you had gotten away with it, what do you think would have happened? Yeah, I really do think that, uh, I think that it wouldn't have been good. Like it was one of those like small things that like I laugh at now. And I, I tell the story, like when I'm in a two truths and a lie, like I'll, I'll throw that in there because I'm not really ashamed of it. It's part of my story. Like, I really think if I had gotten away with it, like it's so, and it sounds cliche to say, but I think it was like a step down 
a path that I wasn't really wanting to go, but I was hoping something would turn me around from. And I know like having a family that struggled with like people in and out of prison and people that have struggled with like substance abuse, the only time they've turned around, it was hitting kind of rock bottom or whatever that catalytic thing was. And I think, thank God, like mine was something like that, that other than like the waiter being pissed at me, like I didn't cause a ton of harm. But it was something that it really did. I remember coming out of it and this is just like, I feel embarrassing, but I was like working at a church as like an intern at this time. Like I was really involved in the campus ministry at my university. And I remember being like, man, like if I'm like tasked with being like a faith leader, it's not like I can't be a real person, but like I have to fully embrace what I believe or kind of get the hell out of the way. I tell people all the time, like embrace the person God has created you to be and embrace your failures, but also be authentic and all that. And, and there I was kind of like living two different lives. When you asked me my story to tell, like that was the one that came up because I don't think I'm a pastor in St. Louis or anywhere without having that moment, because I think it was uh, like my catalytic moment to like open my eyes to turn me around. And even this week, like I'm preaching about Saul or Paul's conversion. um, And he was like, just a big opponent of the gospel and turns around and has that moment where he's blinded and it's not because he's stealing but like for me I felt like it kind of was that like blinding light right that turned me around to be like hey I've chosen you to do this kind of work I need you to start doing it and start growing up and being a part of what I called you to do rather than shying away from it for whatever the insecurities were that made me want to do that. As we're living in times of social distancing where we're isolated and we're feeling alone potentially uh, or feeling anxious. What advice do you have for people who are participating in social distancing? Yeah, I think for me, it's been such an interesting season because I, as an extrovert uh, and an extrovert that's like very physical contact driven, like this has just been really hard for me. But I also know that like I have somehow built more authentic relationships during this season because I've had to seek them out. And I remember when we did our, our uh, Facebook event with you and me and Meredith, that's like you said, you put the words that like, I think my heart was saying, like I started this podcast just as like a way to like scratch the itch of wanting to engage people because I had to be more intentional. I wanted to just hear stories. And then it grew into something that was bigger than you imagined. And I think like for me, it's just saying like community is out there and community is is not just being able to be near people, but it's being able to walk alongside people, even if it's virtually uh, and even if it's from six feet away. I know that I talk to my neighbor across the street three, four times a week. I haven't talked to her ever and I haven't talked to her husband ever. And I, I, I talk to them across the street because we're just in this together. And I would say like whether it's over Zoom or whether it's with your neighbors, understanding that this season sucks and that's true but in every suck there's a massive opportunity to build something new for the future and i think being able to say like this is my opportunity to dive deep into relationships past or ones that like i've just neglected because i have way more time on my hands because i'm working from home or man if you're like a essential worker and you're in the thick of it knowing that like there's so many people that when things go back to normal that appreciate you beyond a level you could ever imagine because we couldn't do it without them. And so I think it's just, it's such an interesting world. It's like for me, and you know, this is my personality, but it's way more an opportunity than an obstacle. And so I think trying to shift our lenses to see like, where can I begin to dive into this while still being safe? Like I haven't, 
touched a human in forever other than my wife. Winky face emoji. But <laughs> but uh but like I've had to learn how to to meet those needs of physical contact with friends and just like like I I'm a fist bumper and a high fiver and being able to like say like how am I gonna build those things and what's like the root of that? And it's just like that was my way to connect with people and I've had to get creative. Danny, this has been awesome. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Hopefully you have some usable uh, some stuff and I don't lose my job by sharing the story. Both of those <laughs> I hope happen. I hope both of those things happen too. <laughs> thanks so much. All right. Yeah, man. Thanks. If you have an extra minute, it would really mean a lot to me if you shared this podcast with your friends on social media. My hope with this show is that I can bring just a little bit of joy and inspiration to the world. And if you've experienced that yourself, I hope you'll let people know. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode up on Wednesday.